Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled mompreneur who hits snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned how to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can learn how to stop picking at your kids' leftover food, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of the to-do list so you go to bed feeling fantastic about your day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman. This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman, and thank you so much for joining me again today. I have a super special guest with me today, Michelle Poverin. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Michelle, oh my gosh, how do I even begin to explain to people the gift that is Michelle <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going to try. Um, Michelle is a licensed psychotherapist and energy medicine practitioner. And we met, it's been a while now. We met probably a, a good, I don't know, five or six mm-hmm. years ago and have gotten to know each other over the years, both personally and professionally. And I know Michelle has improved my life tremendously by being in it. And I know that she has a major impact on so many other people. So I wanted to bring Michelle on today because She's talking about something a little bit different, although what we were saying before we recorded is that in Michelle's world, you hear a lot about these these kinds of tips that we're going to get into today. But in my world, and I think in a lot of other people's, we don't. And this is so powerful. So today we're talking about coping with these difficult and anxious times um, and coping by being intuitively inspired. So Michelle is going to explain all of that. But just to tell you a little bit more about her. She's the owner of Sage and Stone Energy Therapy and provides counseling, intuitive coaching, and energy healing sessions to empower her clients to break through to vibrant health and well-being. Michelle also loves to teach all levels of Reiki as well as run self-discovery workshops for driven women who want to heal their anxiety and discover their true potential. So welcome again, Michelle. Thank you. That was quite a mouthful. So Do it. So give us a better explanation. So tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing these days and how you got into it. Yeah. So um, like you said, I have a private practice. I started getting into it because, um, as you know, I I was a mental health therapist um, for, you know, 10 years or so. And I myself um, got sick. I had Lyme disease and with Lyme comes a lot of other debilitating stuff. So I was really ill for a while. And that trying to heal that is what opened up my world. So um, trying the traditional route wasn't working so well. So I ended up going to an energy healer. A friend sent me, should you have to go? And I was like, I don't know. I'm so tired. I can't make it. And finally, I just, I don't know. I felt the calling. I got up. I went to that appointment and it changed my life. And she said, I'm teaching a class tonight. Can you come? And I was just so exhausted. I was like, no way. But I did. And I left there, went there. I took a nap in the car for 20 minutes before I walked in. Lyme disease does that to you. Can hardly, right? And by the time I left, I felt like I was 16 and I was like singing American Idol on the way home. I was like, what happened? 
wind. And I realized I just walked through the door to something pretty amazing. And I could never go back and do it the same way. I couldn't help people the same way anymore. So that's my story. So I, I do help a lot of people who deal with chronic illness, but I also help people who manage anxiety, life issues, um, any transitional issues, big things going on in life. There's, there's no specific realm that it has to be, but um, yeah. And so my next thing right now is that I'm trying to build an online business because you can only reach a few people, so many people a week in your office. So um, I've got courses coming out and trying to help people, particularly people who are empathic, who are sensitive, who really need to work on anxiety, who need to work on, you know, um, their well-being as mattering, coming first, creating space, um, all good stuff that you and I both share passion mm-hmm. for. So yeah, let's, you know, let's start there for a moment. I'm trying to think if it was you who introduced me to this word, I think it is an empath. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I had really known much about it. And I definitely hadn't considered myself an empath before I met you. Can you define that for people listening? Absolutely. So an empath, well, most people know what the word empathy means. And it means that I could put myself in your shoes and I can imagine what that's like. And then I can empathize by my own imagining. An empath actually feels um, the emotions of other people. And so empaths, tend to feel spongy. So if you walk into a room as, as an, you know, there's a scale. So some people on the empathy scale are really high and some people are, are low. Someone on the low scale, you know, might walk into a room where people were fighting and they're just like, what's going on here? Hi. And then they're so wrapped up in their own stuff that they're thinking about their self and they're not really aware. An empath walks into a room where two people were fighting and they're like, whoa, and they feel it all. They're looking for, they, they, they are tapped into the subtleties of other people. Like an empath, you can twitch your eye or nod your head a certain way. I'm like, mm, she wants me to change the subject. We can read, right. And it comes into an over vigilance. So you can see where it also leads to an anxiety where we're always reading, always over responsible for other people's well-being. And sometimes this leads to health issues. And so when I'm helping people with their health, i.e. Lyme disease, even, we look at how um, the person shows up with being overly responsible and being too empathic, not, not recognizing this is my stuff and this is yours, mm-hmm. right? I don't need to feel you. I can just hold up a boundary and just do me. And I think a lot of people do resonate more with it once you kind of get into the details of it. When you first hear it, you're like, I don't know if that's me, but especially if there's any anxiety, I tend to look for empath. Yeah. It's really powerful. If it, if it is a term that helps to explain you, once you know that and you can see how it shows up, it's, it's really powerful. And then let's do one more definition, um, energy healing and Reiki, you know, for someone who knows nothing about that, how would you explain that? So I like to just say that for energy healing and Reiki, I think people just, just to make it really, really simple is that imagine that around us is all sorts of, you know, um, molecules of energy all around us. That's what makes our world what it is. It's all made of energy. Everything vibrates, rocks vibrate. Um, Your desk has a vibration. We can actually measure the vibration of our organs. We can measure the vibration of how the things in our body are flowing and working. They all have a vibrational measurement. And so when somebody with Reiki comes in, and by the way, when you have a low vibration, if you have depression, you're vibrating lower than somebody that doesn't have depression. If you have cancer, 
around an organ, then that organ is vibrating much lower. And so what we do when we, at the very, very least, and a non-spiritual kind of component here, more scientific is that when we put our hands um, and do energy medicine or energy healing on a person, we're raising their vibration by pulling in the vibration around us and putting that into the body, which raises their vibration. Some people will feel like, whoa, they just feel like something just like a waterfall rushes through them and they'll feel like suddenly, uh, you know, all their anxiety is gone. They'll feel like depression has lifted. They'll feel so, you know, sometimes they, their heart opens and they cry. It can be really emotionally moving, but it can also be really helpful for, for more physical stuff. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. Yeah. I remember you saying to me, um, like there was a lot of heat in a certain area and then we worked through and kind of pushed the heat out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And yeah, it was, it's really cool when you're on the table and you get to actually, when you don't even know what you're, you know, you don't realize it and you, you actually get to feel it happening. Yeah. It's kind of like people's, yeah, people will experience a lot of heat sensations, pins and needles, things shifting and moving. They'll mm-hmm. feel like my hands on their shoulder, even though I'm at their feet. They're feeling the heat in different places because that's the energy going to a place that needs. But you're not even actually touching the body. You're hovering, right? I touch the body. Not everybody does, but most people do. Most people do, but yeah, okay. very lightly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. how does all of this pertain to managing stress? I mean, you know, the world is a very difficult place right now. And people are feeling it. There's a lot of talk about stress and anxiety. And so how does energy healing become important for managing all of this? So I guess to start, I want to say that I think that we are just magnificently adaptable creatures. We went through a pandemic. If, if, if somebody called me on the phone and said, okay, Michelle, you're going to go through a pandemic in a year. You're going to be wearing masks every single day. In the beginning, when you get your groceries, you're going to bleach every single thing before it comes in the house, right? You're going to wear gloves and masks at the grocery store. You're going to stand in a line at Market Basket until you're like at the dumpster behind the building and you're going to wait your turn like you're getting rations. It's going to feel really weird. The empty shelves. I think I would be freaked out, but I think realistically, we're so adaptable. We're just kind of like, okay, we just get through it. So when you ask me that question, I'm thinking... So many of my clients and so many people I talk to are actually very unaware. Even during the pandemic, when I started working, we weren't talking about the pandemic. It wasn't about my anxiety about the pandemic. It was like, I don't know. I just have a raise in anxiety about A, B, C, and D. And so we become so, you know, even what's going on right now um, in Ukraine, we're just, we're, we're, we have to keep going with our lives. We keep pushing forward and we're so adaptable that we're doing that. But a lot of us are harboring a lot of emotion and anxiety around it. And we, we don't know really what to do with it. And so what I wanted to talk to you about today is that I'm seeing a lot of people that are in a funk, they're feeling anxious and they wouldn't necessarily have the language to say it's because of what's happening. Or maybe they do have the language to say it's because of what's happening but they don't know how to move forward to get back into a place where they feel like inspired and juiced again. And, you know, they want to move forward and out of a slump because they feel anxious and depressed, but they don't really know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about how we can kind of look at how important it is when you look at getting excited. And when you look at being inspired, whether you know this or not, a lot of people who come to see me know this, that 
there's an intuitive happening, right? There's, there's a, a, there's a time in which you experience intuition, which is your thought about, I'm going to do a podcast. I really want to do a podcast. Right. And it was a really exciting little hit. And you're like, I could do a podcast. And you start thinking about that. And you've got that intuition flow that comes around. It's like a time of building and a time of rest and then a time of building. And it's really important that um, you recognize that piece of it because well, I think we need to start becoming aware of how we're blocking that intuition. And it mm. keeps us from feeling the juice, feeling the excitement. And I honestly believe that intuition is one of our most incredible mental health tools. You can't feel intuitively inspired and also feel depressed and anxious. Mm-hmm. So I like to bring that piece in. So I ask people to bring it like what, how, what, how aware are you about how you're doing? So are you living in autopilot? Are you somebody who is very reactive and feeling overwhelmed? Are you somebody who's a little bit more intentional and proactive and you're aware that you're feeling overwhelmed? And just take a moment to notice um, how you're doing, how, how stressed are you? And that that stress is keeping you and keeping you from feeling that intuitive boost of what am I going to do? Getting excited for life. And so what do you do in order to manage that? And so I want to talk about the things we do that I see as um, things that are addictions that we don't really realize, the things that we do to cope with the stress that we're having, and also these kind of compulsions. And so like for addictions, right, people don't recognize the fact that, and when I say addictions, we're doing these things to keep us from feeling. And what we have to do is actually feel. So what I'm going to suggest here is to to just for the listener, listeners to just kind of tap into what might I be doing so I don't have to actually feel so I can numb out. Right. So there's the detaching and numbing. So we look at Netflix overkill. Right. We look at drugs. We look at alcohol, getting high, the things that either numb me out or the things that stimulate me like sugar and caffeine, like a lot of people are reaching for sugar, not just because they have the sugar addiction because of, well, the nasty gut situation and sugar, but also because I'm desperate for something to wake me up. I'm mm-hmm. desperate. I feel so tired. I'm so, you know, to feel, so, to feel alive. And, yeah, yeah. Right. And so it becomes sort of these addictive behaviors. Um, another thing that people don't realize is that guilt, particularly, I want to say worry Worry is an addiction. It is something that is a trap. It is an addictive thing. Worry, resentment, addiction. I want you to look at your resentments not as something that other people are supposed to fix in you by being better and doing better, but my own addiction to power and feeling being, you know, stimulated in that way where I can be angry. I don't know how to do anger, maybe. I don't know how to, you know, so that I in turn try to resentment and it becomes this sort of addictive piece. And so just noticing those are the things that keep us from actually feeling um, the emotions, right? Um, Do you say that's kind of like, you know how they say when you find yourself focusing on someone else, what you want to change in someone else, you know, we can't control that. We know that. And so really what you want to do is turn around and say, what's my role in the situation and what's going on with me? Yes. Yes. And like, what are our projections in it too? I love the one where this is my favorite way to exemplify it, right? So 
I go on a diet and I feel really crappy about myself because I'm cheating on my diet. I'm not sticking with my diet. I'm trying, but then I felt really low. I can't hardly, you know, button my pants. And I look at my husband and, you know, he's eating something. I don't know, some horrible food. And I'm like, are you going to eat more of that? Like, I look at him and I just want to focus all my frustration on him, resentments and anger. Like we're before I probably wouldn't even noticed, right? Mm -hmm. But it's our ways of like kind of focusing our anxiety and putting them on somewhere else, right? Yeah, it's a good example. Um, And so another tip that I have, if I can move on, is that next tip I have, I really think is kind of an important one. I think a lot of us don't realize when we're under this, again, people are not recognizing where they're at, you know, in terms of their own anxiety, how much this pandemic has actually impacted them. You know, I have a lot of people that come in and they don't understand why they don't have friends anymore. And they're like, almost embarrassed to talk about it. And they're like, I, I don't have, I don't even know where anybody went. Like we used to have friends, we had parties. I don't know what happened. And then they feel kind of embarrassed even saying it. And I said, well, you're my fourth person I'm talking to about this today. So that's okay. This is a normal response to an abnormal situation, which is the pandemic. And I think people aren't even considering that. And so I bring that up because it, it, it's really important for us as we're getting smaller and getting more narrow, we're getting in our homes all the time, our lives are getting smaller. You know, we're kind of getting in with our anxiety, we're kind of getting into this place where we're more pain avoidant than we are pleasure seeking. And so this can be a way that maybe you're somebody that's been this way your whole life, or maybe this is something that's happening now because there's an uptick in your anxiety. But it's like our way of constantly seeking out, like putting out the fires, seeing life is difficult, always looking for how we're managing stuff and staying on top of it. But it's almost like I'm always managing things to avoid the pain, to make sure that doesn't fail or, you know, stay on top of things. But our lives are getting more narrow. And I find that most people, they're not doing the same pleasure seeking stuff where they will be like, oh, I'm looking for joy. I'm going to seek out all the things that make me feel good. I'm about feeling good. I want to go find things that make me feel good. It's usually about like, what do I have to do today? Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, I can't not jump in on this. You know, that time management is my thing. Mm-hmm. And lately what I've been doing, so I'm really invested in my planner and I teach people, you know, a really extensive planning system And the new question that I've been asking is that when you set up your planner for the week Mm -hmm. and actually start color coding it now, and people really like that, but that's another strip. So when you look at your planner for the week, are your values reflected? Like, what do you see when you look at it in the whole, you know, yes, we have to go to work and we have to take care of, you know, our to-do list and everything. But if you are someone who values taking care of yourself, do you see your workouts in there? Do you see time to walk? Do you see time Mm -hmm. for your meals? Do you see time for your spouse, your significant other, like fun time. And then do you see something fun? You know, like what are your hobbies? Do you play tennis? Do you craft? Do you paint? Like, do you see that anywhere? And if no, that's a problem. You know, we want to make sure that that's in there and we deserve that. And a lot of people really struggle with that. They like, they think there's just enough time in the day to just do the essentials that we have to do. But what you're saying is that all this other stuff really is so important for our well-being, and it deserves to be there. And the word you just used more than once was play. Mm -hmm. 
right? Where are you playing? And most of my clients are saying like, "I, I don't, I don't play. I don't play and I'm not even playful anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I once was. Well, then we kind of get into what was that like? Yeah. Who were you when you were playful? What was going on? What was that like? Right. And so, yeah, I think for, um, you know, a lot of us, we get really stuck into that. I think that's a great example. I took your time management class. It was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. So let's talk about the next one, um, boundaries. I mean, this is this is your thing. And by the way, we're going to talk about following Michelle on Instagram, but Michelle has such great content about boundaries yeah. that really like will stop your scroll and make you think. So let's talk about that. That's because I am all about boundaries mm-hmm. right now. I'm actually putting together a course called the Boundary Bootcamp. And I'm like, it is all the work. It is, it's like, there isn't a thing you could trip tomorrow. And I like, it's because you have bad boundaries. <laughs> like there isn't anything that we can't whittle down to look at, you know, that the beliefs you formed about yourself, the beliefs you formed about the world inform how you show up and boundaries are either internal boundaries or external boundaries. Right. And I think right now when we're under so much stress, we need to tighten up our boundaries. We need to think in terms of what depletes me, what fills me up. Kind of like what you said, like got to put that play on the calendar because that's what lights me up and the boundaries for my self-care, you know, you know, better than anybody in the work that you do, that when we don't show up for our self-care, we don't trust ourselves. We lose trust in ourselves. We can't trust ourselves to actually show up for ourselves. So then we feel very overwhelmed by anybody asking anything of us because we don't trust that we're going to make space for us. Mm-hmm. We end up having resentment because we can't trust that we'll make space for ourselves. And so right now, if you are feeling anxious, slightly or moderately depressed or more, if you are feeling just stuck and in a funk, it's time to look at your boundaries and how you're holding them sacred. And so, you know, um, I think you have to be open to the possibility too. And I'm just going to plug this one more time that you might be empathic. If you resonate when I say, you're spongy. You feel like you're picking up other people's emotions. They kind of overwhelm you. I just want to say to you, whoever's listening, that is feeling that way, that's really important that you acknowledge that you pick up other people's emotional energy. You might be someone that can't watch the news because when you watch the news after, you just, you feel pummeled. Like I just can't even, you, you have to tighten those boundaries up. I'm not going to watch the news. I can't do these things because they don't, if somebody is really negative, I got to cancel that lunch date because I can't absorb them today. I got to look at how I can hold boundaries to better myself and always looking at mattering the most. Um, so our, we have, and that's kind of just leads me to the idea that our internal boundaries, which is the relationship we have with ourselves, right? Externals is the way, you know, we interact with the world and how we teach people to treat us, right? But our internal boundaries are how we treat ourselves. And those are always the first to go south, right? They're the first to go. And that's very telling if that's happening to you. Um, And just observe where you're leaking energy. You know, if you're feeling any type of helplessness, you're feeling negatives, if you get negative self-talk, you know, there are these addictive behaviors and there's some of these compulsive behaviors like, and I just want to plug this because I think it's important that you might have, um, you might be overly responsible for other people. And so you might be somebody that's constantly overgiving, constantly, right, overdoing. And you say, well, it's just, it was so, I really wanted to, I really, it was really good for them that I did that. And you're over, over, over. And 
what I find is those are really compulsive behaviors. So if you feel that you can't say no, oh, I couldn't say no to that. I, oh, I have to do that. There's no out. There's no other option. Those are compulsions. Those are the ways in which we're acting off our kind of more addictive, anxious stuff. And so when it comes to boundaries, I just want to ask, you know, I'm always asking my clients to look at, you know, where can you actually recognize I can say no. That's a compulsion of mine. It's my, my feeling I have to do these things when they're not true. And we kind of get into that a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know I have these conversations and I'm sure you do too, that when you are dealing with adults, adults have their own feelings and, you know, no listeners can't see me right now, but you know, when you set your boundary, you push the feelings back on them. Adults are responsible for their own feelings. So if they are disappointed because you can't do what they wanted you to do, that's okay. That is their job to manage yes. disappointment. And you don't have to do that for them. Yeah. Adults and that is their job. Exactly. exactly. All right. So let's talk about my two favorite topics that I've been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You want me to go? Okay. Yeah, number four. So, yeah. Yep. So first of all, I hands down, the two things that I think and I tell, you know, that I'm constantly reiterating is you need to create space. And in that space needs to occur meditation and movement. Now, some people are like, I can't meditate, Michelle. I could never meditate. Oh no, that's not me. <laughs> and then when I really get down to it and oversimplify it. It could be five minutes of meditation, right? And let's define it. Meditation could be so many different things. You know, people Absolutely. think when you, they hear meditation, they think, oh, I have to turn off all my thoughts and be totally still. Oh, that, there, yes. There's so many different forms of meditation and so many great apps that, you know, you could do a guided yes. a guided meditation. Um, so I recommend most people when they're first starting out to do guided because they find yeah. it easier. Yeah. Um, people that really uh, have experience attention deficit, um, people who are really um, anxious, in particular, monkey brain feeling this spiraling all over, I will tell them, you know, you can do the guided, but your best medicine is being able to learn to tolerate the discomfort of sitting. One of the massive, you know, I mean, the big thing that we all are experiencing is I can't have this. It's too much. That's what anxiety is. I, uh, I can't tolerate this. And meditation teaches you to tolerate boredom for a moment, to tolerate irritability for a moment, to tolerate a monkey brain for a moment. And I just want to say about meditation is meditation is as much about your thoughts as it is about letting go of your thoughts and coming back to breathing in. Yeah. And so just noticing rather than doing anything. Yeah. Just yeah. noticing and, but letting go, right. That's where we carve out the new neurological pathways. Every time we let go of a thought mm -hmm. and we come back to breathing in and out. So that piece, but also movement, 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 movement. We have, you hold so much emotion in your body. You're so unaware of, right. And when you don't move, your energy gets stagnant. And when you're not moving, your emotional components are stagnant. People go get a massage and they ball and they're like, or they come home and they're rageful and they're like, why? I just had a massage. And it's like, because you just worked out all this stuff that you had in your muscles, all this emotional content that was in your body. And now it's like coming out funky. But movement, exercise, um, yoga, sweating, run, whatever it is, as long as it's movement, mm -hmm. we can really make a difference in how we release stuff and we can feel better. 
we know I'm going to say a big amen to that. Yeah. And I want to say one little thing too, that's been kind of funny. And I've done this with a few clients who have particularly like rabbit hole anxiety where like you start getting anxious about a topic from work. That's repetitive topic that you have to deal with or something that just, they can't get out of it. Like Michelle, I keep trying to shut it off and I can't, I have them do like affirmations that says the opposite to themselves and jumping jacks. And they have to say the affirmations while they're doing jumping jacks. Right. And then they had to breathe and like, okay, did that take it out? And then they're like, no, they go back. I said, okay, now I want you to jumping jacks, but I want you to like be really flailing your arms around and say the affirmations. And what I find is that that movement along with just like resetting these thoughts, saying it differently, really help people to actually like either laugh at themselves mm-hmm. or shift. Right. And just let it go. That's so fascinating. Movement. It's like, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, well, there's all sorts of research that talks about creativity and movement and how, you know, you can be walking and all of a sudden you, ha- or, you know, whatever kind of movement you like to do. And then all of a sudden you have this great idea, this really creative idea. And I know I experience that all the time. And so I definitely believe what you're saying, that there's something about the movement that that um, kind of unlocks. That's why when we're talking about intuition, like create creativity, like yeah. that's intuition to me, because that's what intuition is. It's really our own thoughts. It's creativity coming in. Right. And when you're looking at kind of being intuitively guided and and moving forward in that, um, I find that meditation right after working out. So like take your workout, even if it's a 10 minute meditation, you might find like, Oh, I just had the best idea. Like it's a great time to meditate. That is awesome. All right. I'm definitely going to try that. Um, Yeah. All right. And number five, this one was really fascinating to me. Yeah. So I have been asking people to remember a time in your life when you felt more grounded and inspired um, and excited, like regardless of the hard stuff that was happening, like what was different, right? Like I'm asking people to look at, um, remember the time when you just felt this sense. And most of my clients eventually call it freedom. They use that same Mm -hmm. word. And they just feel like, wow, like I felt free. Um, And I think that I'm I'm kind of like asking people to basically redesign how that sense of freedom can show up in their lives now differently. And I think a lot of us look at it as parts, like there's this part of you who was so like your 20 something maybe, or maybe it was your thirties, or maybe you're looking back at a time at some point in your life, when you last felt freedom and that part of you, it can't be the exact same today, right? But you bring, you bring a lot of gifts ahead, but how can you bring that same sense of freedom to your life now? Because we get really stuck in a rut. We're like, well, no, we don't have that anymore. No, I can't do that. I have kids. I have jobs. I have responsibilities. And I think, well, what were you doing when you felt so free? Oh, I would just go for a hike during the day. I would paint. I would do, and they just name all these creative things or they'd be out in nature. And so we'd have to look at like, can you reframe this possible future Mm -hmm. life that actually incorporates freedom into it? And that's, again, where all your, everything creative is intuitive. So that again, leaves a very much more different feeling in life when you're feeling more intuitive, when you're feeling more Mm -hmm. creative. And you're allowing for time for those things, but we have such blocks for them, you know? Yeah. So let me ask you this and maybe we'll end on this note. I could talk to you forever. Um, but, 
how much of what you've been talking about today do you think people can do on their own? And, and like, where do you think a professional comes in to help facilitate the process? Mm, yeah. I think that, you know, you can take all the, like I'm in the, I'm in, like I said earlier, a little bit, I think we were talking beforehand. I'm, I'm a believer in the village. Like you listen to podcasts, you read your books, you here, listen to this music, you talk with your friends, you follow people on social media who inspire you. And, and then I do think there is nothing else like sitting with somebody who's a coach or a therapist or somebody who is just holding space for you. The dynamic is completely different than any other relationship in your life. And I think if you, if you, you can do all these things and it can be great and beautiful. And you could still see somebody who could help you hold it, keep up with it, keep Mm -hmm. it going, keeping you inspired, helping you delve into a lot of the work that I'm doing, particularly is helping people to recognize and set themselves free from really old beliefs that they started building when they were young. Right. And those are the beliefs that get in the way now. And so I think it's really hard to do that on our own because I think. We need that person to be like, hey, wait, look at that. What's that? And we're like, oh, I don't know. I've been doing that for 35 years. I, I mm-hmm. didn't notice, <laughs> right? And so I think that it is individual for everybody, but I think that, you know, and I don't, I'm sure you feel similarly, but it, I believe that that space is kind of sacred and it mm-hmm. also is a really important piece of self-care. Yeah, and, and a gift. It's a gift. I mean, some of what we've talked about today, yes, you can make a conscious effort to schedule it more in and to get out in nature and to move. But some of this deeper work is really hard to do on your own. And that's where a professional for a period of time doesn't have to be forever, but for a period of time can be so helpful to pull it out from you to look at things objectively and and help create healing. And um, I I would definitely agree with that. So, okay. On that note, where can people find you if they want to learn more about the kind of work you're doing? Um, You can go to michellepoverman.com and that's my website. Um, I'm on um, Instagram as well, Facebook. um, And on Instagram, what's your handle? At Michelle Poverman. Okay. I didn't know if it was your business. I forget if it was your business. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we'll put all that in the show notes too. So people oh. can find you and Michelle, thank you so much for being here today. I know I'm going to go back and listen to this, um, listen to it again, because I think you have a very unique spin mm-hmm. on healing on the process of healing. Mm-hmm. And this was really, really valuable. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so wonderful. Thanks. And thanks to everyone for listening today. I'll be back next week and I hope to be with you then. Thanks so much. Hello, friends. It's Carol Perlman coming on to say hello. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes as much as I've enjoyed creating them for you. I wanted to make sure you knew about a special program that is currently being offered on my website. If you go to www.healthy4lifebycarolperlman.com, you'll see more information about my current time management classes. If you follow me on social media, if you listen to my podcast, you know that I believe time management is behind almost every single one of your goals. And the more you can perfect your skills in time management, the more successful you're going to be in reaching your goals. I have created what I believe is a really outstanding class. I've been studying time management for years. I've been perfecting my own system and I've been teaching others for 
almost 15 years now. I created an online course, a 21-day habit formation course that is now available to you. They, quote unquote, they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And I find that that is often time the case. So go look on the website, healthyforlifebycarolperlman.com and you will see current offerings. I have several different time management classes for specific audiences, but the general one is just the It's About Time time management class. You'll see all the details there. You'll see the upcoming start date, and there's always the opportunity to buy the workbook and complete the course as a self-paced course and take it at your own speed. It's one exercise a day. All you need to commit is 10, maybe 15 minutes a day. Step-by-step, you will create new habits that last a lifetime for better time management. Check it out, and I hope to see you in one of the classes. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you loved today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.